Yes, definitely one of the most life-changing, just special moments ever um, that I think I will definitely remember and cherish um, for, yeah, for pretty much for the rest of my life because um, we started... Hello, my name is Kashka and welcome to Plant Voices podcast from Tapewood Community Garden where we tell local stories about gardening, food, nature and climate change. What a crowd! Give yourself a huge round of applause! Fantastic! This is probably the biggest demonstration we've seen in St Andrews for 20, 30, 40 years, and it's all down to you, so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, we need to form a line in the sand because we want an actual line of people to stand looking out towards the ocean. Let us stand in silence for five minutes, which will be marked when the bagpipers start to play and reflect on what the climate crisis means for our future. Right now, we still have choices. We have the option of a future. We have the choice to build a society and a future that is greener, kinder, more sustainable and hopeful. Let's not take that for granted. Let's not take our future for granted. These passionate voices we've just heard uh, calling for action on climate are the participants in the last year's event on West Sands Beach in St Andrews on the 20th of September. It was a part of a day of massive strikes across the world calling for urgent action on climate emergency. As you may know, the wave was a culmination of over a year of Fridays for Future, a climate school strike movement inspired by young Swedish activist Greta Thunberg. The event was repeated this year in a much more scaled-down, altogether quieter, COVID-safe version, which some say was even more poignant than the last year's crowds. One of plant members, Kathleen, took part in both, representing our community and contributing some plant-themed climate action sand art this year. Today we hear her in conversation with Leah Weiman, a St Andrews University student and eco-activist, who is one of the event's organisers. They talk about the roots of her activist journey, her poetry and building back better. Thanks, Leah, for agreeing to come on our podcast today. I thought, how am I going to introduce Leah? Because she wears so many different hats. So I'm going to squirm out of that one by actually asking you to introduce yourself. Thank you for having me today. Um, I think first and foremost, I would introduce myself as just a climate activist. I also call myself an eco-activist because I, I like that term of, because it's, it's more about, for me personally, it's, it's not just climate, it's about the whole looking at our ecology and um, biodiversity and the world. And I really like that phrase of like eco um, and, and looking at things wholeheartedly. Um, but yeah, I'm also a um, fourth year student um, at St. Andrews. I study um, sustainable development and international relations. And um, I'm this year's um, student association environment officer. So yeah, that's really exciting because um, 
that way I get to do a lot more with with the university and get to sort of push for change and using that um, position and that voice that I have to um, yeah make people aware of the issues that and challenge that we are facing but also of the opportunities that we have. Mm, great um so can you just so that people get an idea of who Leah is what would you say what have been your three most influential moments on your environment awareness journey yeah it's 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 actually not as easy a question to answer because um I've been really passionate um, about environmentalism for quite a long time definitely for me is my childhood in terms of that I grew up a lot in nature and the way my parents brought me up that we're ready for change there's something about just roaming outside and learning to explore and appreciate nature and I think that also sparked a lot of um, creativity within me I loved making up stories when I was younger with my brother and just just having these like crazy landscapes where I just like roam and be outside all the time and we also grew up completely without a television or anything so literally any time we had we spent um, outside Um, I think that really uh, rooted that love and passion that I have for nature and for being outside I mean it's interesting um I think that the the back going back to the childhood thing and being in nature I mean I grew up on a farm so and my childhood was very much about getting out there and you know being and and, and allowed that kind of freedom and it's interesting now that here in Scotland the the introduction now of a lot of these forest nurseries and getting young children out and into and, and into nature I think really yeah very very important. Also I read this book when I was 12 about like a dolphin culling and that just made me so like I don't know like really frustrated and angry I just in that young age I just didn't understand it's like why as we humans would we um, like cause so much suffering on the earth when really I feel like no love would come so much more naturally and I think activist girl in that book who sort of took that forward and who fought for the dolphins rights and I think that sparked something with me as well that you know no matter how small or how young you are um, you, you can do things and um, it's about going for it and um, standing up for what is right I was born in Germany but then my family moved to Cape Town South Africa um, and um, I think that's where a lot of my activism then really started. Um, I got, I experienced just a lot more moments of the reality of climate change. Obviously, it's it's by the ocean, so I got to like find out a lot more when I was younger about like plastic pollution. Um, there's a lot of problem of wildfires um, in. Cape Town, South Africa, that um, I experienced. And um, if you see those fires, obviously, um, in the the nature reserve, in the city, literally coming down towards houses, that's something that um, I think shapes you. There was the water crisis that happened um, in my later years of school, I think my final two years, which was the city running out of water, potentially. that really changed my whole perspective from such a resource that is think we in the in the north we don't think about that much in terms of water because it's so natural and we just use it but when you then told like this is how many liters you as a household are allowed to use per day um you have to stand and like collect water at springs um when we showered it became so natural to like shower with a bucket and you'd use that water then to water the garden and things like that so i think I actually, when I first came to St. Andrews, because of all of that was still happening and I knew my family was very much in that crisis situation still, 
um I, it was actually really like I could not listen to people like letting the tap run just like even when cooking in the kitchen because it would literally just give me anxiety because I um just because it's been it's been so ingrained into what then I learned how to live and how um to yeah really live almost in a crisis situation of um we don't know when it's next going to rain we don't know when the downs are going to fill and we don't know what going to happen in the city if suddenly people don't have on a larger scale really don't have access to water anymore um so that was definitely also a pivotal moment i think that made it a very real in terms of what's happening and just pushed my passion more into sort of this is about our life and this is really my mission mm. um, so mm. okay wow thank you yeah now um i know that as well as all your eco activities you're also a poet so maybe this would be a, a, a nice pause uh, and we could you could perhaps uh, read us your, a poem. Of course. Um, what now? So many problems, so many different challenges. It's easy to lose hope. It's easy to give up. Stick your head in the sand. It takes courage to recognize our mistakes. It takes strength to swim against the current. It takes vision to change. History is being written about you, about me, about all of us. Just because you can't do everything does not mean you can't do something. It's not just about protests. We all have unique talents and reaches. You can write letters, sign petitions, start projects. Donate, paint, speak, write, connect, choose, act. Just do something. If you say you care, then show that you do. If you love anyone other than yourself, then show the world how much you do. Actions speak louder than words. Eco, not ego. Mm. Oh, very powerful, very powerful. Thank you. Now, um, as a poet, so can you maybe just talk a little bit about that kind of creative process, how creativity feeds into um, climate activism? Yes, I think regardless of what we are, we all have a responsibility to do something about social justice issues, about um, our climate and our home. And it's not somehow the work or mission of like someone who then identifies like that says a climate activist, all of us have a responsibility to speak about these issues. And I mean, especially from an artistic pursuit, we need more people to speak about it in literature, in popular culture, whatever. We need people to figure out ways um, how we can address them. And I think creativity is something very important for that. Climate change is more than just a scientific problem, really. I think sometimes it's a it's a problem of the imagination um, and it's about a lack of imagination maybe that we as a society have in um, reimagining our world and reimagining how we want to live and how we can live and interact with the world. So I think bringing more creativity into that process is absolutely crucial. There's just something about sharing that and that makes it a lot more human I think for some people rather than just scientific facts and does that feed into um the the line in the sand because I really want to speak about that project that you I think were part of or helping to organize um last year 
in 2019, which was an amazing event. I was there, as were hundreds, nay, thousands of other people, I, I think. Yes, definitely one of the most life-changing, just special moments ever um, that I think I will definitely remember and cherish um, for yeah, for pretty much for the rest of my life, because um, we'd started obviously with the um, Greta Thunberg's climate movement. And we were thinking about, well, what do we do in St. Andrews? And then at the beginning of 2019, we already joined the first um, global climate strike, which was on the 15th of March. And then there was a second one on the 12th of April. So we really did a few then. And those were great as well, um, especially with like school children coming to join and um, obviously the marching through the town and um, politicians and people like Stephen Gethins coming to speak um, at the strikes. I think that was really good as well because it showed sort of there was definitely a growing political and societal interest in it. And I think that was definitely also leading up to what we then worked towards for the 20th of September, which obviously was a global climate action day and week um, with events happening around the world. And that definitely helped, I think, <laughs> contribute to what was happening in St. Andrews because there was just it was everywhere in the media people were speaking about this um, on social media um, over the summer discussion started with some members from transition especially yeah Tansy who had the idea of sort of making a, a line um, in the sand of people and sort of making a symbolic action out of that um, in addition to just having a, a climate strike um, through the streets and uh, we were like, yeah, that sounds great. There's obviously a lot that needs to be considered if you organize a climate strike. So much stress, probably one of the most stressful things I've done um, in all my time at university, just because there's so much you have to think about with regards to the application and contacting police and making sure it's safe and um, yeah, getting permission to be at the different sites. So yeah, it's a, um, and then the promotion, contacting people about it and then hoping that all of that work that you put in for weeks and months into this will pay off with people actually being interested and showing up for it. So yeah, it's it's a rather stressful process. One of the posters says we want like a line of 200 people uh, and we want a lot of people to come. Um, and then on the day we had thousands and we're like, whoa, like it was just mind blowing because um, obviously not even our mics were like strong enough to sometimes like really project out to that crowd. Something very special that we need to, look to preserve within the climate movement as well. It's just that um, feeling of togetherness for people, of feeling that you're part of something and, and that there are other people who care and who want to do something. And I think that was definitely eye-opening for me to realize, wow, there's so many people in St. Andrews who really do care and who want to do something, who's standing up for it together and just realize that. Um, so that was definitely, um, yeah, that was definitely a powerful moment um, last year. The 20th of September, 2019. We made history around the globe. We showed world leaders that we are watching. We formed the biggest global climate strike ever to have happened on earth. Our generation is leading the biggest mass mobilization of people on earth. Here in St. Andrews, we made history too. In the past climate strike, we never gathered more than 100 to 200 people. But on the 20th of September, that changed. We gathered 1,200 people in this small Scottish seaside town to draw a line in the sand. We protested along the street. We called out for climate action. We drew a human line in the sand for climate action. 
We have the biggest strike this ancient town has ever seen. We made history in a 600-year-old university town. If that's not a mandate for change, then I don't know what is. Enough is enough. This is where we draw the line. It's action time. This is just the beginning. And then this year, I think it would have been really easy just to say, oh, well, um, you know, we're in lockdown, we can't do anything. And yet I was really uh, amazed at your, you and your team producing a, a, a 2020 line in the sand. And I, th I thought, actually, for me, it was a much, much more powerful event somehow in its in the absence of people uh, and with your uh, with the pairs of shoes the empty shoes along the sand this year uh, i became environment officer at the student association and i was like well we need to do something pretty early on from over the summer when my subcommittee formed and i was starting to think well what can we do at the beginning of the semester despite all of like the regulations that are in place and the uncertainties um so with one of my members uh, we had the idea of maybe doing something with shoes um, and forming like a line, sort of making it symbolic. And I was like, well, how about we form where the line was just about the shoes, just where no people can't, people can't be this yet anymore. And um, I thought, oh, I think that could be really powerful. But then there is a question, well, how are we going to get a whole lot of shoes and how that, how is that going to be safe? So yeah, there's a lot of discussion and back and forth. There was a week before I came to St. Andrews and I, yeah, I had a, it took some mental mountains to move, definitely, because it felt like, oh, this is not going to happen at all. And we've really put so much work into it. Tansy had the idea of like, let's do several pieces of artwork and um, have people come at different times to do that. And obviously that is quite logistically um, difficult to figure out as first as well. How do we do that? And how do we make sure and convince people it's going to be safe? Because it is going to be safe as people coming at different times and it's at the beach in on West Sands, like, we obviously it was always a question of like well how's the weather going to be and the drone fly things like that so it's a small miracle it really happened well as i say uh, yeah for me i think that was a really really powerful and poignant uh way uh, you know it was the climate change and the COVID all together i think so if you had a chance to sit down with the Scottish government, with Nicola Sturgeon, what two things that you would want them to do um, right now about the whole eco-climate um, change business? What would, you, what would your two priorities be? Yes, I think, um, well, the good thing is with being in Scotland is that we have a government that at least is very open to wanting and wanting to do change. Uh, and with one of the first, I think the first one to declare climate emergency and to make plans for it. So I think that's definitely a, a great position that a lot of other countries and people don't have. But um, we also need to make sure that we're really pushing for those goals and pushing for those ambitiously, really. And I think what I would really say is um, really focusing on that narrative, building back better, because COVID has given us a lot of opportunity to, um, we've realized how quickly change can happen and how quickly societal change can be implemented if wanted. But how can we make sure that those change um, in a sustainable and good way on the long term? And how, how can we look at what's happened and really look at ways to build back better. And I think that should be the focus. And I also think there should be a strong focus that should be placed um, um, at really highlighting how um, our human and planetary health are interlinked, highlighting how COVID is part of 
the ecological problem. It's born out of wildlife trafficking. It's born out of the way that we interact with the earth. And that's something that's not been communicated enough, I think, in the media, because we need to look at human and planetary health and say, well, how can we make sure that um, we're fostering a healthy environment and a healthy planet that will then have healthy people? And, and if we're killing the earth, then, then we're also killing ourselves. Um, so it's frustrating to see that that's not what's happening at the moment, um, even though that's really something that we need in terms of linking those two and saying, well, we're taking this and we recognize this interlinkage and we want to build back better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, today, for example, I just read, well, I read about a report, um, you know, to do with agriculture and climate change. There's a new one. There's a new report out. And I kind of, my initial reaction was like, oh, no, not, you know, not another area to worry or think about. You've come across as being so enthusiastic and so positive. What, any secrets to keeping your vitality and energy going Leah yeah I mean first of all and agriculture is definitely a very big topic I think that's definitely also one of the moments that for me in within my activism that changed a lot in terms of that I was watching this documentary uh, Cowspiracy when I was at school and I think that's from that moment on I took a different stance on on activism and on sustainable lifestyle choices because I realized you know what actually the lifestyle choices that I do make do have a big make a big impact and I think that was something even though I took something that was negative let's say I then took and said well what is it then that I can do and what I can I do on an individual level and then how does that inspire other people so I think I sometimes I look at a problem and then I ask myself well I can't do everything but what can I do um, uh, but I mean ultimately I think for me my passion really is just rooted in just a really really deep love for the world and for just that miracle of life, if we think about it, like we're just on this tiny, tiny planet spinning in the nothingness of the universe. And it's beautiful, like the ocean and the trees and the life that we share with everyone on Earth or just being alive and having that opportunity to live. Like, I mean, just that that blows away my mind every time when I go outside and have a walk in nature. And I think that sometimes when I then feel overwhelmed, that's what I have to do. I need to go outside and I need to remind myself, you know, what am I fighting for? um and and the people that i mean if you 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 think about your family and the people that you love and you realize well you want to you want to protect that and you yeah you want a life and a future and i think that's something that for me gets me um gets me going like i there's so many like you said there's just so many things that are happening in the world if you look into the news specifically there's horrific things happening and and i think personally i think sometimes i don't think i would be able to get out of bed if i wouldn't know like i'm gonna go and i'm gonna do something like there's a challenge of not being too hard on yourself. Um, and I mean, that's sometimes I also struggle, still struggle with, if I'm being honest, because uh, it sometimes feel like, is it enough really? But, and then like, we can only do so much. Um, I've obviously done this for so long time. And I think when I was younger, people were less interested in it. So even more sort of dismissive of like, oh, well, I guess you, that's just a passion really. And I'm like, oh, this, it's more than a passion. You know, this is about our life. Uh, and it's not just a hobby I'm taking up in terms of like, I want to um, speak about environmentalism. And I think realizing that that's um, how that's changed on a societal level. I think that's been really great as well. So it's just sometimes having a look back and realizing we've come a distance already and we're reaching things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time, Leah. Before you go, I think we definitely should have another poem, though. 
My dream. I dream of a world with beautiful beaches, where there's no plastic pollution, white sand, blue ocean waters, where wastewater is not led untreated into the ocean, of white wave crowns, of oceans with billions of fish, coral sanctuaries, dolphins, whales, and sea turtles, of places that still have wilderness and untamed nature, of waterfalls with ice-cold water, of jungles that have no man-made path, of forests filled with trees that reach higher than I dare climb, of a place where birds wake me up in the morning and the stars shine brightly at night, a world where the language we all speak is love, where all creatures are treated with respect and love, and finding places in the world that mirror aspects of such a dream makes me realize that nothing is impossible. Every day, we manifest the world we live in. Let's dream of such a world together. Let's be the change we wish to see in the world. Leah is selling her beautifully illustrated poetry book, Dear Earth, to raise funds for environmental charities. You can find out more about how the book came about and how to order it on her website, which we will uh, link to in our episode description. If you would like to hear more from Leah, tune in to her weekly eco-activist radio show on St Andrews University Star Radio, which is also published as a podcast on Anchor. That's all from us for now. Until next time, keep well and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Plant Voices podcast. For more tapered community garden stories and for information on how to get involved, visit our website on www.tapodgarden.org.